If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are certain tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Black Wolf Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Coverson, back again with another episode. And for this week's episode, I have two articles that I'd like to go over before the market opens at 9. So firstly, there's a Morningstar article, and the title is GameStop Mania Drives Scrutiny of Payments to Online Brokers, and this is by Alexander Ospovich. The second article is by Bloomberg, and the title of that article is GameStop Mania Stirs New Ire for Social Media Shield Trump Hates, and this article is by Joe Light and Ben Brody. Let's get into it. All right, so first and foremost, um, I'd like to read a little bit of the article um, from Morningstar because I think it's important. Um, So it reads, the Reddit fuel frenzy in stocks such as GameStop Corp and AMC Entertainment Holdings, Inc. is prompting calls for regulators to reconsider a decades-old practice in the United States stock market, payment for order flow. The practice in which high-speed trading firms pay brokerages for the right to execute orders submitted by mom-and-pop investors has long been controversial. Some say it warps the incentives of brokers and encourages them to maximize their revenue at the expense of customers. Supporters, including many brokers and trading firms, say it is misunderstood and helps ensure that investors get seamless execution and good prices on their trades. Either way, it is big business. Last year, Brokerages such as Charles Schwab Corp., TD Ameritrade, Robinhood Marcus Inc., and ED and E-Trade collected nearly $2.6 billion in payments for stock and option orders, according to an analysis of company filings by JMP Securities. The biggest source of the payments were electronic trading firms such as Citadel Securities, Susquehanna International Group LLP, and Virtue Financial Inc. Payment for order flow helps set the stage for the maniac Maynick Trading and GameStop, whose shares began the year around $18, surged to a record close of $347.51 on January 27th and ended Wednesday's session at $92.41. That is because payments for order flow made it possible for the United States brokerage industry to shift to zero commission trades in late 2019. No longer needing to pay a fee on stock transactions and empowered by easy-to-use trading apps like Robinhood, individual investors poured into stocks and options at record levels last year. More recently, they snapped up stocks like GameStop that were being touted on Reddit and other social media platforms. The simmering debate over payment for order flow boiled over last week after some brokerages restricted trading in GameStop, sparking heated speculation that the curves were imposed at the behest of giant trading firms that handled those broker that those broker order flows. Trading firms like Citadel Securities denied being behind the curbs, which in fact were prompted by brokers' need to post additional collateral. Still, criticism of payment for order flow has given rise, coming from business leaders, politicians, and some smaller brokerages. Payment for order flow at the end of the day 
is legalized bribery that appears to incentivize brokers to violate rules, said Dennis Kelleher, president of Better Markets, an advocacy group that lobbies for tighter financial regulations. Public.com, a startup that offers an investing app that competes with Robinhood, said Monday that it would no longer accept payment for order flow. It has become abundantly clear that staying true to our mission requires that our incentives align more closely with those of our community members, end quote. The company co-founder said in a written statement, Some Silicon Valley investors, including benchmark capital partner Bill Gurley and the billionaire former Facebook Inc. executive Chamath Palapatia, attacked payment for order flow on Twitter. Mr. Gurley urged the Securities and Exchange Commission to end the practice, writing on Sunday, quote, if the SEC government wants to fix the, quote, plumbing, end quote, the number one thing they should do is ban payment for order flow, end quote. Payment for order flow is likely to come up as a House Financial Services Committee hearing on February 18th, devoted to the GameStop episode, said Rep. Al Green, Democrat out of Texas, a member of the committee. The question we have to ask ourselves is, does this inherently create some conflict of interest, he said in an interview. Adding to the checkered reputation of payment for order flow, one of his early practitioners was Bernie Madoff, who helped pioneer the practice at his firm, Bernie L. Madoff Investment Securities, years before his conviction for running a multi-billion dollar Ponzi scheme. And in December, Robinhood agreed to pay $65 billion to settle SEC allegations that it misled customers about its reliance on payment for order flow and touted its execution quality while filing orders, filling orders, excuse me, at inferior prices. Robinhood didn't admit wrongdoing. The SEC has reviewed payment for order flow several times since the 1990s and repeatedly condoned the practice while requiring brokers to release public disclosures on where they are routing orders and what they are do- and what they are being paid. Proponents of payment for order flow say it benefits investors because it allows mom-and-pop investors to get better prices for their trades than if the orders were sent to public markets such as the New York Stock Exchange and the Nasdaq stock market. If you ban payment for order flow, the individual investor is going to be worse off, said Robert Batillo, a financial professor, a finance professor at the University of Notre Dame. That is because of what brokers call price improvement. When an investor's order is filled at a price slightly better than what is available on an exchange, for instance, suppose Apple Inc. shares can be bought for $135.01, each or sold for $135 at NASDAQ. An investor selling 100 shares of Apple can earn $13,500 if the order was executed on the exchange. But if the investor sales orders were routed to a trading firm such as Citadel Securities or Virtue, the firm could buy the shares for a fraction of a penny per share higher than $135, and the investor could get more money, say $13,505 instead of $13,500. While such differences might seem small, they add up. Last year, investors saved about $3.7 billion on their stock trades thanks to price improvement according to Bloomberg Intelligence. Trading firms say the com- They compete to provide the most price improvement to brokers. The magnitude of the order routing to us reflects the confidence of the retail brokerage community in our systems engineering, reliability, balance sheet, and execution quality, said Joe McCain, 
head of Execution Services Citadel. And I'll stop reading here, but I thought this was interesting that they referenced Bernie Madoff. And quite frankly, if there's something that you don't want to be associated with, if there's someone you don't want to be associated with, certainly Bernie Madoff will be at the top of that list, along with the actual dude who created the Ponzi scheme, Mr. Ponzi, who went to jail for stamp fraud and um, bond fraud, well, CD fraud, back in the early 1900s. But I just thought this was interesting. This is a very interesting article. Um, and again, the fact that there's an actual word for what has been going on, which they're calling um, basically, what is it, price overflow or payment for order flow, meaning the more orders that they fulfill, um, the more control they have over that particular market. And again, this is interesting. And, you know, I could, quite frankly, I didn't know that this was going on, even with Robin Hood. Um, but of course, lately, um, not to say that I've pushed Robin Hood on anyone, but I do use Robin Hood myself. So since I use it myself, I felt that I could, you know, tout it as, you know, a pretty reliable service. But I can say from my own personal experience, because I have um, shorted GameStop myself since, you know, since that's what the hedge funds are doing. I mean, that's what a smart money is. So I figured if they're doing it, I should do it too. So I have shorted GameStop. Um, but ironically, Robinhood has sent out emails to all of us who actually, you know, are participating in Robinhood for one, and then for two, individuals who have GameStop stock or GameStop shorts, whether that's you know put options or call options, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But they've been sending out notifications and emails, and I actually had the nerve to say something along the lines of, um, "We'll we reserve the right to close your position if your option is out of the money." Which, if you don't know what an option is, basically, um, if you buy an option. It's a 100-share contract. So basically, for every one contract, that's you know, 100 shares. So Robinhood basically has been putting out that if your stock is out of the money, or if your option is out of the money, excuse me. So if you have a put and you believe that the stock is going to be below, let's just say, $70, and currently um, GameStop stock is like $95, so... You're $25 out of the money, basically. So you're in the red, meaning um, you're going to lose the money that you put up for that particular put. So I just think it's interesting because they're influencing the market already because of the sheer volume that they're getting. But when you add that on top of the fact that Robinhood has huge hedge funds that, you know, that they have to, I won't say obey, but at the very least, they have to take into account what they have to say. Again, I'm not going to pretend like I knew all this was going on, but the more that I read and the more that we read, the better informed that we become. And so, although I may not transfer or move my account or portfolio over to another brokerage, what I can say is that it certainly has opened my eyes to see that just because something is quote-unquote free doesn't necessarily mean you're getting the best service. Um... And again, it's not just Robinhood because, you know, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade and E-Trade, all of these companies technically offer free commissions or commission-less trades. But you have to ask yourself, am I giving up anything by getting something for free? So, 
again, I thought this was an interesting article. Um, we really had to kind of take a step back because, again, like I have no idea where the GameStop stock is going to go. I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't really even care, to be honest, because, I mean, I wasn't involved in the whole Reddit thing to start with. But, again, I figured I would jump on just because it was going sky high, and I didn't think that this, that the stock at that particular price, even now, honestly, at, a, at basically 100 bucks. I didn't think that the stock price was sustainable just because the company itself has a, has a more um, archaic type of setup. And what, what I mean by that is like the, the way the company is set up as far as like selling video games at an actual brick-and-mortar store, I just don't believe that that sort of model, business model, works anymore in 2021. Um, People buy video games online. They play video games online via YouTube. I mean, there's lots of channels that are dedicated just to see, sit and watch people play video games. And so I just didn't see, I mean, unless GameStop does something where they partner with, you know, one of these, um, I don't know, War of Warcraft type games, or you know, just something like that where they set up some sort of tournament. That's really the only way I see the company actually... Um, making money in the future being sustainable. Although, the converse of that would be this. GameStop did just hire um, Amazon's old, I think it was their AWS, either their AWS chief executive or their um, chief executive or president over um, internet technology, so, so OIT. So, if that's the case, which I believe I read that last night, so if that's the case, then the company may actually have a plan, and all of this might actually work out for the company itself. Which I mean, honestly, I would like for it to work out for the company because people are working for these, you know, p- people. Well, that's AMC, Bed Bath and Beyond, Express, BlackBerry, um, GameStop. You know, all of these companies, Naked Brands, all of these companies have employees, and we're in the pandemic. And honestly, I mean, it would be good for people to maintain their employment while they can. Um, I would hope, though, that at the very least, these particular you know, people actually own some shares within the company. Um, kind of like Walmart, where, you know, employees have the ability or opportunity to work and then also you know, earn stock and have that deducted from their check every two weeks. Now, if that's the case and... All of those companies, you know, had that particular setup going on, then that's actually a good thing. And hopefully those, you know, employees of those companies were able to cash in, you know, while they had the opportunity. Because, again, the stock price that these companies are at right now, like BlackBerry and GameStop being at $92.41 as of last night's closing on Wednesday, you'll never see prices that high again. I, I, this Something like this is, is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, whether you're shorting the company or whether you're going long and you know you bought early like years ago. A, a price bump like this, $347.51, you're never going to see something like that again in your lifetime. So hopefully they did you know cash in, were able to pay off some student loan debt or were able to put their kid in college now because, you know, they were able to cash in those stocks. But, yeah, hopefully it works out for them, and we'll be back with part two in a little bit. Final article for today is the Bloomberg article titled, GameStop Mania Stirs New Ire for Social Media Shield Trump Hates. Section 230 protects Reddit from liability for users' posts. 
lawmakers consider how stock fear fits into proposed reform. And the article reads, market turbulence fueled by a horde of retail investors targeting stocks like GameStop Corp has some finger pointing at an unexpected culprit, the social media liability protections vilified by former President Donald Trump. The investors who sent shares of GameStop and several other companies to previously unfathomable heights relied on a Reddit-based forum as a central gathering point to discuss trading strategies, egg each other on, and move in unison to squeeze hedge funds that had shorted stocks. Regulators are examining whether any of their activity was illegal. My perspective, it wasn't. But even if it was, the social media platform bears little risk from its users' activities thanks to a shield for law thanks to a shield from lawsuits known as Section 230, which Congress passed to override a court decision in a lawsuit brought against the brokerage firm featured in 2013 Martin Scorsese blockbuster The Wolf of Wall Street. That provision of the 1996 Communications Decency Act is already under scrutiny in Washington from Republicans who contend it has allowed social media firms to discriminate against conservatives and from Democrats who say that networks have hidden behind its protections rather than crack down on dangerous behavior. The rally came to a screeching halt this week with shares of GameStop down more than 80% from last week's highs. Now, the Securities and Exchange Commission is investigating whether anyone might have broken the law, for example, by lying to raise the price of GameStop shares only to sell their own shares in a so-called pump-and-dump scheme. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen will meet on Thursday with the heads of the SEC, the Federal Reserve, and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission to discuss the recent volatility. The Treasury Department said in a statement on Wednesday night, the House Financial Services Committee has also scheduled a hearing for later this month to examine the issue. Reddit site why policies prohibit posting illegal content or soliciting or facilitating illegal transactions, end quote, said a Reddit spokeswoman in an email. Quote, we will review the corporate, we will review and cooperate, excuse me, with valid law enforcement investigations or actions as needed, end quote. If regulators find that some users went too far, Section 230 will largely insult Reddit from li- insulate Reddit from liability. That has some social media experts asking if Section 230 harms financial markets. Some say it's unlikely a lightly moderated form such as Reddit would even exist without Section 230, let alone allow the sort of speculation and stock promotion that saw GameStop shares rise 1,700% in a matter of days. Without the act, quote, platforms would have to become more responsible overnight, end quote, said Depine Goosh, a former Facebook Inc. corporated official and a White House technology policy advisor in the Obama administration. Quote, and that wouldn't be a bad thing, end quote, said Gush, who is now a fellow at Harvard Kennedy School, Shurseen Center of Media, Politics and Public Policy. Red has lobbied, Gar- has lobbied Congress, including the House Energy and Commerce Committee that oversees tech policies in support of keeping Section 230 intact. According to a person familiar with its efforts, Reddit has often been lobbying for about four years, relying on outside lobbyists. It's been about 200000 a year in the last three years and 60000 in 2017, its first year according to its disclosures. In an ironic twist, 
Section 230 itself was created in part as a response to shady stock schemes. In 1995, the brokerage founded by Jordan Belfort, who was played by Leonardo DiCaprio in the film The Wolf of Wall Street, sued an anonymous online bulletin board poster for disparaging Belfort's firm. The lawsuit included a now-defunct internet service provider, Prodigy, as a defendant because it hosted the forum. The judge ruled that Prodigy could be held liable for its users' content because it had actively sought to moderate the forum, sometimes by taking down posts. Fearing that the ruling would prompt nascent platforms to avoid liability by leaving up all content, lawmakers proposed what eventually became Section 230 in a law that aimed to regulate indecent material online. The Reddit Rebellion arose from a confluence of social media revolution brought about by Section 230, wildly popular apps that allow free stock trades, millions of pandemic board retail investors, and long-festering antipathy toward Wall Street kingpins. Experts said that much of what users of Wall Street bets, the Reddit channel favored by stock traders, has posted doesn't appear to be illegal. The forum now has more than 8 million users, many of whom spew stock tips engage in sometimes juvenile banter, and celebrate unbridled greed. None of that is against the law. It's also not a crime to say that you own stock and think it will continue to rise. Unless regulators find violations, Reddit probably won't need the protection that Section 230 affords, said Eric Goldman, a professor at the Santa Clara University School of Law, saying, quote, I haven't seen any evidence that illegal stock manipulation is taking place on Wall Street bets though that might still be proven, Goldman said, end quote. So I'll leave the article right there, and you can pick it up, you know, if you want to read it yourself. But again, I find this to be interesting as well, because now we're trying to moderate people's speech. We're trying to, you know, figure out ways that we can, you know, shoehorn people, you know, into staying basically in the born class that they are. So if you were born in the middle class, then... You know, you'll stay there. And if, you know, God forbid, you know, you grew up poor and want to do better and figure out or decide that, you know, playing in the stock market, um, day trading or whatnot is your best way to do it. Because, again, you only have to be right once. And that's kind of the way I think about it myself. Um, You know, you can take the long term approach, which I am. But, yeah, I, I play options as well because, you know, you don't have to be you only have to be right one time, you know. And as long as you write that one time, however long that time is or however much you have to play, I mean, that's really not important, honestly. The idea is that if you write that one time, that's the only time you need to be right. I mean, there's lots of people who have become very rich and wealthy um, just from this one particular incident itself. So, again, I just think that with Section 230 being basically blanket immunity for social media platforms, I don't really think that people would use social media in the manner that they do. And with Section 230, I think that um, social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat probably wouldn't even exist, to be honest, because people wouldn't post what they post because they know that what they post would likely be taken down if not immediately, definitely within a 24-hour you know, period, just because what they're posting isn't necessarily something that is seen as being like wholesome or quite above board. So for these particular platforms, I personally think that 
Reddit, at least in this situation with Wall Street bets, I think they're fine, and I don't think Section 230 is necessarily needed by Reddit in this particular situation. Now, in terms of Facebook or YouTube, because technically YouTube is a posting platform as well, or a social media platform, and it technically has forms. I mean, the messages that can be left at the bottom of videos or even the live chats that go on during live streams that people have, those can be considered social media platforms in terms of being able to post something and leave the comment there or somebody like the comment or whatever the case may be. So I don't personally think that Section 230 is going to go away. So that shouldn't deter you from investing in social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, um, Snapchat, WhatsApp, um, Twitter, even though Reddit is a private company at this point, it will likely go public just because the company may want to you know, offer itself more liquidity by going public. But again, I think investing in these companies isn't a bad thing just because Section 230 is going to go where? I mean, let's just say it comes before Congress and they have a vote on it. Do conservatives really want to get rid of Section 230? I mean, because if they do, then that's one more avenue that conservatives aren't able to use to get their message out to the public. And the same thing for liberals. I mean, do liberals really want to get rid of Section 230 and have everything that they say be flagged or have it taken down because it's, it's not necessarily fact-checked? I mean, I would say that no politician should have a you know, a social media platform. And that's just my personal opinion. I, th I think that, you know, that should be reserved for regular everyday citizens or the citizenry, but for people who have, you know, high-level um, government positions or who are presidents and, you know, secretaries of state, they shouldn't have social media platforms. All their communication should be done through, uh, you know, prior-approved actual channels, that being press conferences, interviews, newspapers, magazines, that sort of thing. I, I don't think you should be able to just unleash a text message or a, a tweet immediately and then it not be fact-checked or then have the ability to have someone in the media um, come against that or counter your argument and say, well, you know, Madam Secretary, in fact, you know, we found X, Y, and Z, you know, we have evidence that this is whatever, whatever. Like, I think that there has to be checks and balances, and I don't think that a one-way form of communication being social media where you can just put something out there but it not be checked like at the point where the person who put out the post has to actually you know, refute something, refute a claim. I think that's the dangerous part of social media. It, it's not being able to post something. That, that's not the point. It's the fact that when you do post something as a public figure that you don't necessarily have to be, you know, have to be called to task on that. And even if you are held to task or called to task on it, you don't necessarily even have to um, speak to it or address it. And it's not to say that the same thing wouldn't be the case, you know, if an interview was done in person or a press conference was done at the press corps in person. But the likelihood is, is that those particular people would also have the opportunity to um, fact check or ask follow-up questions and that's what the whole point of the media is is to ask questions it's not to be fanboys and fangirls and to basically wave their pom-poms for whoever the politician is or whoever the person is at the time that's why I think social media should be reserved 
for regular everyday citizens. It shouldn't be, you know, for, again, high-level people in government like that. They should have official um, channels of communication that are regulated and, you know, have have other um, members of the core or members of the press, excuse me, who are actually asking questions back and forth. I think that's what I think that would validate social media at large versus right now where you have, you know, silos of people who are in this particular camp, that particular camp. You know, this is real. That's fake. You know, this doesn't exist. That exists. I think if you have a more open forum, people can go back and forth and actually have facts be presented to them, not by the companies, but by actual people, the actual citizens, I think social media would be a much better thing. But again, this article should not persuade you to stop investing in social media companies. I mean, personally, with the way things are going, people don't watch television like they used to anyway. So social media is kind of the way to go in terms of if you're owning a business and then you want to market that business, you kind of have to have a social media online presence. And of course, having an online presence along with social media, you're then able to monetize the market that you have via marketing. So a company can will pay you to present their ad on your page. And, and that's the case um, even on newspaper websites like the Wall Street Journal, for instance. They have ads on their web page and they'll ask you, you know, if you're blocking ads, because I block ads on my browsers, it'll ask you if you would like, you know, if you want to watch this or read this article for free, if you want to visit this web page, you have to, you know, allow us to present ads on your page in order for you to view our um, articles or to view our web page for free. Otherwise, you have to pay. And that's fine with me. I don't mind paying because I hate ads. I hate pop-ups. I hate seeing all that crap on my on my laptop. So I hope this article brought you some insight into what the thought process is moving forward. Um, this whole Reddit GameStop situation, I think is really overblown, honestly. I mean, some companies fail, some succeed. Now, maybe that success or maybe that failure may, may be brought on much quicker via know the reddit platform or some of the conversations on wall street bets but again that's not the government's job to regulate something like that i mean a couple hundred guys or a couple million people you know in a forum someplace isn't going to tank the market they don't have enough money combined to even parallel that of what a hedge fund can do in terms of the amount of money and the sheer levels of trading high frequency trading that these platforms can do. It's not even close. So again, I think it's a much to do about nothing, but I mean, they're going to do the whole song and dance up there in Congress the, the, at, at the Capitol. They're going to do the song and dance. They're going to, you know, these politicians are going to have an opportunity to stand up there and, you know, virtue signal to the country that, you know, we care about what goes on with the little guy, blah, blah, blah. You and I both know, you and I both know that the politicians don't care about who's getting robbed or anything like that. All they care about is who's donating to the campaign, how much did they donate, what do they want in exchange for the donation, blah, blah, blah. We know this. We already know it. And if you didn't know it, now you do. So, again, I hope this article was interesting. Like, share, subscribe the podcast, and I'll catch you guys next week.